You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 95. I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. And uh, new episodes are mostly every Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> like, unfortunately, last week we were not able to uh, deliver you your Geeks Unleashed content. As uh, yeah. Unfortunately, Jasmine wasn't very well. I uh, was not. After two plus years of being super careful, one work event got me and I ended up with COVID and uh, I was down for the count last week. So we, we ended up taking another week off. Feeling better, still not 100%, but here we are. You could have eaten so much spicy food last week and just never have known. Um, yeah, <laughs> so that that part is like really weird because like there was one day where, or actually it was like three days, where it's like I brushed my teeth and you, I could not taste the toothpaste at all. Like you can't, can't taste the toothpaste when I was in the shower, like could not smell the shampoo, could not smell the body wash. It was just the weirdest thing in the world. So the senses have started to come back. Um, they're still not at hundred percent, but they are better than before. At least I can taste what I'm eating now. <laughs> that's, good. that's good news. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thankfully. Cause I, I've talked to some people, some of my friends have had it. I was pretty much like the last holdout in, in my uh, group. Um, and there's one of my friends who lost their sense of taste for like a year. So mm. I, I feel pretty lucky that mine came back after just three days <laughs> <laughs> oh well, good i'm glad that you're um, feeling better and uh obviously have a voice i spent you a couple of days ago and you were a lot better than i thought thought you would be yeah yeah the voice was the first thing to come back but uh there was i only had a fever for one night um thankfully and then pretty much after that it's just the cough i still have a cough um but everything else seems to be um subsiding so thankfully very very grateful it seems to have been a mild case but i still ended up missing uh, a week of work and i might miss a bit more work because i retested this morning and i am still positive so <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what, you do? <laughs> what, 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 can, what can you do I just yeah. i ordered grocery delivery for the first time uh so that was interesting so can't even go to the grocery store so it's, it takes some getting used to it. I am, I'm not a fan. Not that anybody is a fan, but you know, <laughs> I suppose like who's a fan of getting ill in general. Right. Yeah. Colds, coughs, other fatal diseases, that are not any of those COVID or cold or flu like symptoms. Yeah. I general. mean, you know, got the vaccine and the first booster. So hopefully that helped. I didn't have as many like, you know, some people get like a lot of like lung problems. Um, and I usually, uh, I have asthma, so, but I never had to use my inhaler. So that was exciting if you can call it that. Um, so I'm grateful that it wasn't more severe. And since I live alone, it's not like I got anyone else sick either. So that was, Uh, that's good too. So it's a good thing. I can't pass through technology. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think that's possible of anything, but yeah. So. Yeah. So that's that's my story. Feeling better. Anyway. Glad you're feeling better. 
thank you all for coming back to continue our Harry Potter marathon as we run up to episode 100. And if you are watching on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to our channel so that you know when we upload new content. And if you were listening on your favorite podcast platform, we thank you for that as well. And we would also appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Spotify. Anywhere you like, really. So, yes, or all of them. Just go through it. Just, yeah. just do one may as well carry on doing all of them uh anyway on this week's episode we're gonna be carrying on harry potter as jasmine said so we're gonna be looking at the fourth harry potter movie in our run-up to our 100th episode oh i can't believe it this episode 95 episode 95 is crazy yeah so about two and a half years um wow running geeks and nature i think we would have we would have got it sooner if we hadn't taken some breaks earlier in the year so yes yeah. well i don't think much sooner i think we would have got here about april yeah so but uh, I, th- I think that this is uh, a good thing because i am on track to also have lost 100 pounds by the time we get to 100 episode 100 so i need i need some more time so we're there <laughs> I'm, I'm at 98 um two pounds away from hitting it so oh well, there you go hopefully well hopefully you hit before episode 100 yeah hopefully <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe this week if you're not like appetite isn't fully restored from covid oh right i should take advantage <laughs> <laughs> um okay so we're gonna jump straight into news and we'll just run a theme here so scream courtney cox has confirmed that gail weathers will be returning for scream six so following off the back of our previous episode where nevkin bill said she's not getting the getting the money she's not coming back she said obviously they're not giving her the financial reward she deserves that she sort of carried the scream brand she is the Uh, face of the franchise give the woman what she wants exactly uh courtney cox is back so Yep, she flat out oh. said, "Look, man, Gail Weathers didn't die in Scream Five, so uh, I'll be back. Don't worry." So, so what I wonder is, like, if they're only going to bring back one legacy character, so obviously Dewey's dead. Yeah. Will Courtney survive the next movie? Because you know, they're they're going to have to work it out with Nev. They're going to have to. Oh yeah, this is oh this is a hundred percent a uh, contractual. Um, what you call it, you know, a stalemate. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she's like, you know, like they're obviously having closed door discussions. She's reached a point where like, okay, we're not getting anywhere. So I'm just going to tell the public and then you lot are all going to be hectored. Mm-hmm. Let's all know. We all know we're gonna, you're going to pay me the cash. So yeah. uh, whatever it is she wants, they're obviously going to pay her. Really. Yeah, um, as well or, they should. Or she won't be in it, um, but they'll get her back for the following movie, which would be weird. But Yeah, anyway. that'd be super weird. Or they'll do something where they cameo her in. Like, maybe they come up with a deal and says, okay, fine, you know, we'll pay you X to be in, like, two days worth of shooting. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe she'll be in, like, the final moments or something like that. So Maybe. Um, but I don't know. I think if she, I think if Gail Weathers is the only legacy character, I don't think she'll die. Yeah. Well, um, but don't forget they're bringing Kirby back. Kirby's not legacy, but she is a veteran of the franchise. Yeah. I, I think that if Nev Campbell doesn't come back, Gail will survive. I think if Nev Campbell does come back, Gail could potentially get it next. Dun, dun, so, dun. I, that's my thoughts. I think if Nev Campbell comes back, then Gail Webber's might might, be might, might, might get hit by a ghost face, huh? Yeah, that's that's my bet. If oh, we man. see Nev Campbell, if Nev Campbell comes back, I reckon Gail Webber's going to get it. Okay, all right. 
That's my thoughts. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know about that. I think you think she'll survive either way, though. Yeah, because I think that they they always had like a second trilogy planned. So I think, well, actually, this would be the final film, wouldn't it? No, so I think we had Scream one to three. Uh huh. Scream four obviously was meant to be the start of a new trilogy that yeah. obviously didn't didn't lead to one. Mm-hmm. So I think I think what we're seeing is with Scream, the previous Scream that came out this year. That I think is the start of a tr- trilogy, like a new trilogy. Oh, so, you think six is the beginning? I mean, five, yeah, five. So five, six, seven. That's what I was thinking yeah. too. Um, yeah. So if there is a Scream Seven eventually coming down the pipeline, I think Seven is the one where they go balls to the wall and get rid of everyone to kind of put an end to this once and for all. Yeah, I think they would kill Never off in the in the seventh film. Which would be kind of sad because at this point now we've learned that she has a family and kids and stuff. So, yeah, I think. Well, yeah, but then I guess then that's a setup for maybe twenty years from now. Well, you know. Ooh. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, no plot details or anything yet, but so far no. just two people have been confirmed that they are going to be in Scream Six, and that's Hayden Panettiere and um, Courtney Cox. Yeah, no franchise ever dies, does it? So, you know, kill Never Off now. We'll get we'll see the benefits later. Yeah. So. I mean, and who says that this one or seven would be the last one? I mean, you know, Fast and Furious is working on number 10 and, and in number nine they went to space. And I mean they <laughs> killed Han off and they brought Han back. So yeah. I mean yeah, yeah. You could you could kill Never Off in seven and bring her back in in, in nine, you know, I mean, or ten. Why not? Yeah. Why do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what would be a cool move is killing Nevoff in seven in a way in which you think in which in, in a way in which it's kind of like is there a body and then like mm-hmm. in the final scream maybe scream you know scream fifteen or however many they go for <laughs> like you know Nev Nev turns out to be the final ghost face like that would yeah. be cool. I really think that that's how the franchise should end. Like I think if if this is not the last one then I think this movie should set it up to where we have another round of like these copycat asshole killers. And by the final film, if Gail and Nev or if Gail and Sydney are still alive, then I think Gail and Sydney should just be like, you know what? I am sick of this shit. Like we are doing this one last time and we are going to end this for good. And they kind of like collectively go on a rampage as ghost space and, and they're the ones that wind up like ending the franchise so the whole thing would come full circle i i think i think it would be quite a cool reveal to have dev be the final ghost face i don't know if i could i don't think i could see courtney cox being ghost face but i could see nev becoming ghost face yeah Ooh, if they especially if they brought Stu back i mean because yeah. like Stu died like that we saw the tv fall on him but he didn't get shot, so like, I, he's I think I really th- dead. Even the actor who plays Stu wants to come back. Even yeah. his even his theory is that he comes back. Yeah, so, I love Matthew. Um, yeah. Anyway, all I right. Scream. So next bit of news: uh, HBO has confirmed. Well, 
HBO is confirmed. It has been confirmed that Kit Harrington is going to be reprising his role as Jon Snow in a Game of Thrones spinoff. Uh, uh, I should say another <laughs> Game another of Thrones spinoff. spinoff. Uh, no real details yet. Nothing plot-wise, but it has definitely been put out there that Kit Harrington is in in the works to do this um and when the actress who plays Daenerys what is her name Emma Emilia oh. Clark yeah, yeah. was She's asked if she would come back she was like nah I'm done <laughs> I'm pretty much my pretty sure my character has a had an ending and I am done with Game of Thrones. Um, well, she, I mean, she, I mean, her character's dead. I mean, I know, I mean, yeah. again, I know we joked about like people coming back, but yeah, she's pretty, she's pretty much gone now. So. Yeah. Thanks to Jon Snow. Yeah. So it would, it would undermine that ending to then bring her back. Um, I can imagine Amelia Clark probably would want to be done with the show though. Like it surprises me that Kit Harrington's coming back. Yeah. I'm, I don't know that I'm really interested in his story, um, especially the way that he dogged my girl at the very end. Uh, I don't know. I don't really care. I think I would watch the other prequel series that is about the Targaryens and Mm, all of the stuff before the events of Game of Thrones. Like that might be a little bit interesting, but um, I don't really know that I'm so interested in, watching Jon Snow like try to figure this shit out no I, I so when I heard about this I was like I'm not excited by this in any way shape or form right I and I I don't know what their thoughts are on a spin-off but I'm really hoping it's kind of like maybe more like a limited series rather than an ongoing thing yeah or, like a, a or, one one series and one season and done kind of thing yeah i mean maybe maybe even if they said okay it's going to be like an event thing you know like uh the walking dead world of tomorrow or whatever it's called no the world beyond sorry, it was yeah called. like even if they said it was two seasons like okay we're going to do eight episode two seasons mm-hmm. uh john snow whatever they want to call it game of thrones john snow whatever um snows again so i don't know <laughs> Snows again. <laughs> that sounds like a diehard film. John Snow snows again. <laughs> Something like that. But like if they if they all or, or the other thing is if they did like maybe a collection of TV movies, like three or four TV movies, like space, you know, they could even do it as a you know, like a released out throughout one year, like every mm-hmm. quarter release a TV movie just for one year. Like HBO would probably, you know. I would imagine do pretty well if they released four TV movies over a case of 12 months or even just stuck them at the cinema for a limited run. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I'm not interested in eight years of Jon Snow. Like, yeah. and Nobody I, is. I, and I, I do think, though, if they did a Jon Snow ongoing, they'd have to get him off the bloody wall, off the Night's Watch, off the wall or whatever. You know, yeah. you couldn't, have, couldn't have him stuck on the Night's Watch for the rest of his life. Um, I, but I do hope they kind of undo that. I do think sending him off, spend the rest of his life on the Night's Watch was a bit crap. Like, nobody wanted that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just I just don't want anything long term. I it's nice to follow up characters. Mm-hmm. I do I do like it sometimes when shows go back and revisit a character, but I would much prefer it to be a shorter thing. 
Yeah, so. a, a mini series or a limited run. I can yeah, get behind yeah. that maybe. Yeah. But I just think Jon Snow is one of the more boring characters of all of the people that we got to know over the course of mm. Game of Thrones. Like, why him? Why? Why would why would you pick him to lead a spinoff? Uh, I mean, I'd love to know when they sat around discussing spinoffs. Who did did they approach other people? Yeah, is it is it a bit like Friends? You know, where in the end only Joey was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> well, did they approach a lot of other people first? Oh, that's uh, a good question. I uh, would have been really interested if they decided that they wanted to follow Sansa and Arya a bit more, mm, or yeah. if they had wanted to do something with Tyrion. Mm. Um. I loved Tyrion's character throughout the entire yeah. run of Game of Thrones. Um, probably more so just because of the way that Peter Dinklage brought so much to the character. But like Tyrion was always interesting. So he would have been an interesting character to kind of keep up with, especially since his whole freaking family like <laughs> ate it. Gone. Yeah, they're gone. They're all gone. Uh, he was such a great character. Yeah. Uh, I, I think is with the Night's Watch, though, because it would be, I mean, even if it was set a couple of years after, all those characters would still be around. Yeah. I mean, they may and they may not like want to be in it regularly, but you could have cameos. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe they approached other people and they were like, no, nah, no, nah, we're done with Game of Thrones, done with Game of Thrones. Yeah. And then the end, Kit Harrington was like, how much? Yeah, he was uh, like, I yeah, I'll do it. I mean, my maybe my Eternals character is not doing so hot so yeah i'll do game of thrones yeah yeah <laughs> um i'm sure he's got it sorted with marvel stuff oh, and yeah like you know i'm sure his mortgage is paid off um well apparently so. we might see him in blade so who knows yeah like we well, can buy two houses now yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway um well, we'll finish our news there and uh, like to move on to the, the bit of the bit of the show that I quite like. What have we both been watching or reading or playing or yeah. listening to? Um, I only say listening to because I was randomly listening to some country music about an hour ago on the way back from the shop before we start recording. So um, talk to me about this country music, Mark. What kind of country uh, music are you listening to? Oh, no, no, like I'm not any, ex- you know, the weird thing is like, because I don't really know, because I'm in England, obviously, and I don't know much about country music at all. Um, so I can't, sometimes I'll listen to stuff and I have no idea who it is. Um, so actually, I did know who it was today because um, uh, basically I just put it on random and uh, and uh, it's, a, it's an actress, a TV actress, uh, Lucy Hale. Um, there was literally a couple of tracks came on while I was driving. Um, Lucy some, Hale makes country music. She made a country album. Yeah, I looked it up. Like she made a country album years ago. Because I was like, oh, Lucy Hale, I recognize that name. And of like, course you do. And uh, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> and uh, and I was like, I looked it up, and I was like, oh, pretty little lights. And um, but anyway, like I thought it was quite cool. I thought I quite liked it. But no, I a lot a lot of it I don't know. Who it is, but I recognized her name in the car, and I sort of suddenly thought, Oh, I could talk about this on the episode. Like, I wasn't actually, <laughs> wasn't, I, I wasn't actually planning to, but like, uh, you brought uh, up country music, and as a Texan, l- let me tell you, I listened to my fair share of country music. Fun fact country music was actually the first genre that I got into as a kid before I ever started listening to like pop or hip hop or anything else. I can imagine. Like, no, I, I, don't, I don't know much about country music at all, but like, um. I, I I like sometimes I'll just put it on as I'm driving if just to have a bit of a change of music and it's and one of the things country music always sounds quite happy to me 
So country music always sounds happy to you. No, like they don't. It's quite. I don't know. I mean, some of it is like sad or uh-huh. from sort, but like it doesn't ever sound depressive. Like it doesn't. Okay. Because it's quite. It's quite. It does have sort of more of a rhythm to it. I find like maybe I've not listened to enough of it to know. Maybe there's a few real sad songs <laughs> out there. But like it just yeah, it always sounds quite upbeat as you're driving. I find. So. <laughs> I don't. I don't like massively like listen to it for like two hours stints. I might just put it on if I'm like, oh, I just need a change of what I'm listening to because it's not, we don't really get it on the radio over here. So yeah, I imagine uh, you wouldn't. No. So, <laughs> like, uh, anyway, I TV wise, I was watch. I've just finished season three of Legacy, uh, which is the Vampire Diaries spinoff on the CW. Um, I'd kind of fallen behind on it wasn't i oh, oh it was okay i i love the vampire diaries i'm a huge fan of that the originals i really liked as well the originals was very much like when they span off angel from buffy the originals was much more like adult level mm-hmm. or you know it's like adult characters there's no, no nobody was studying uh legacies is okay i was kind of getting a bit bored of villain of the week um but i've just started season four of legacy legacies and um I kind of just want to get it finished now because I've heard obviously CW cold that show along with about 90% of their shows. Um, so, and I've already started to hear bits and pieces about how it ended and season five plans. So I'm trying to work my way through that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of what I've been watching. Well, I, um, I did pick up my PlayStation joypad a couple of days ago and I decided to, that I'm going to finish Spider-Man Miles Morales on the PS4. All and right, all play, right. Playing that the last couple of days. And um, it's cool. I was playing it this morning and I, my daughter was sitting next to me and we were like, how cool is that, Lex? Like we were right on the corner of Central Park and she was like, oh, that's where uh, Central Park Zoo is. And I was like, how cool is it that my eight-year-old has been to Central Park? Like, yeah. And, um, and actually, we saw you that day before we went to Central Park. Um, so I, 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 that's one of the things I love about the Spider-Man games is that I've actually been to New York and like mm-hmm. it's so cool to have to swing around New York. Uh, although I couldn't find Central Park uh, Zoo in Central Park, so I'm thinking they've admitted it. So. <laughs> uh, I wonder if they do leave some things out. I mean, I mean I'll go back and have a look, but I, I do love playing Miles Morales. Um, yeah, you haven't played the Spider-Man games, have you? Uh, uh-uh. no, I think I think you'd like them. So. I need I need to pick them up. I finally fixed my Xbox a few weeks ago, um, so I've been back on my Xbox, but I have not turned my PS4 on. I think you'd like Spider-Man. I think you probably. Oh, yeah, I think I thing. would too. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Spider-Man game I really love the original the one with Peter Parker, but no, I really like the Miles Morales one as well. It's for, to be honest, the dynamics of it are so similar to Peter Parker's version. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, apparently Spider-Man 2 is going to be PS5 only, which I'm not overjoyed about. So yeah, no, I'm not keen on that. But yeah, yeah no, Miles, Miles Morales is pretty cool. I like his little electric punch that he has as well. That's pretty <laughs> good. So one of the things I like about Miles Morales is it has he's got the power to turn invisible. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. We can't stay invisible for ages, so we'll probably get about maybe 20 seconds of invisibility. Yeah. So he can, that's like, just enough to sneak in and sneak out. Yeah, yeah. So there's one, there's a couple of times where they make it part of the thing where he has to say go down to a crime scene and like overhear some policeman's conversations, or he has to go like down to the docks and he has to there's like groups of villains mm-hmm. throughout, and he'll have to go and like stand next to them and listen to their conversation. And strangely enough, the invisibility lasts a little bit longer. Because <laughs> uh, obviously it's part of that whole 
thing. But like, no, I quite like it. It's cool. Like, I like the fact that Miles has slightly different powers to Peter Parker. Yeah. So, um, still has web fluid. So, uh, <laughs> like, like none of them, none of them are like Tobey Maguire. But yeah, like, that was one of my favorite little sequences in No Way Home when they're all comparing web, and Toby is the only one that's like, no, it comes out of my arm, and they're like. Do you mean it comes out of your arm? Like it, it comes out of your body? <laughs> and then they're like, does it come out of anywhere else? <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that was pretty cool. Like, yeah. But yeah, no, the Miles Morales game, I'm loving it. I Really weirdly, I bought it around this time last year. Mm-hmm. Played it for like 20 minutes or something, put it down, and I kind of forgot about it. And I was like, right, I'm going to stick out this. Uh, I do need to go back to The Last of Us and a Horizon Zero Dawn sequel which i've got as well yeah but i thought i need to stick with miles morales at least with miles morales i can play in the day when the kids are around yeah they like uh, horizon zero dawn uh, sequel i can play during the day but i'm gonna stick with miles morales all right well what about you you've been well uh, you've been obviously perched Ill, up but... on the couch um so all i've been doing is like binge watching stuff and i had been on an anime kick for a little while then i was on like this series of watching Thai television. And now I have fallen down the rabbit hole of Korean dramas on Netflix. And I think in the week that I've been sick, I've probably watched last night. I finished my fifth Kate drama. Uh, So (laughs) I've watched five binge watched five K dramas, all 16 episodes each in the past week. Um, uh, but I really enjoyed them. Some of them were based on like webtoons and I'm a big fan of like the Korean webtoons. So it's been fun. They're all like rom-coms. They're all kind of silly, uh, really easy to kind of get into. Uh, so that's, that's pretty much what I've been doing. I think of all of the ones that I watched, there is one called um, Business Proposal that I probably enjoyed the best. And then the one that I finished yesterday was Cinderella and the Four Nights. And I enjoyed that one as well. Um, But yeah, just fell down the Korean drama rabbit hole on Netflix. Netflix algorithm got me. It's like, oh, you watch this? Maybe you'll like this. I'm like, (laughs) okay, I'll try it. Maybe you'll like this. Yeah, maybe you'll like this. So I'm on my fourth. Maybe I'll like this episode or or series. So who knows what I'll start today? (laughs) It's a like Korean version of Friends. Yeah, and one of my friends was like, "So, do you watch them dubbed or do you watch them subtitles?" And I was like, "No, I watch subtitles. What do you mean dubbed?" Um, and they were like, "So, so you've read six series, five series?" And I was like, "Yeah, but like to me, it doesn't feel like that. Like, I'll read, yeah, I'll read. I'm reading, but like, it doesn't. It's it doesn't feel like a chore. I guess I'm just mm. really used to watching things with subtitles." So I'm not a big fan of things with subtitles because I feel like when I'm watching TV, I want to relax. Mm-hmm. To read into me, the TV doesn't feel like it's relaxing. <laughs> it's like I've spent all day working, like I'm in front of a screen, yeah. reading, like or talking to people, whatever. By the time I sit down, I'm like, oh, I need to just watch, you know, if I'm going to watch, like I, I do struggle with anything with subtitles on. Because I just think like, it's my relaxing time now. Yeah, it does require more brain power. Like I can't play on my phone or goof off when I'm watching stuff that has subtitles. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just like get into a rhythm and it it doesn't bother me after a while. But it's harder yeah. when you're watching um, 
like action packed stuff because then you like tend to miss some of the action because you're reading the subtitles. But like with rom com stuff, eh, I don't feel like I'm missing out on much. <laughs> I do hate that with subtitles though. If you just look away from the screen for like a split second, you're like, oh, what'd they say? I have to yeah. put it back. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, or even if there's subtitles in the middle of something that doesn't have subtitles. Mm-hmm. So um, that's to me a bit weird. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, well, cheers, cheers for sharing. Um, I haven't really read much comics actually. I did, I have actually read a couple of Miles Morales comics mm-hmm. um, from the current run. I read the first four issues. Hopefully, you didn't read that really weird one about what if Miles was Thor. I have not read the What If series. Well, have you read it? No, but uh, it, it's gotten a lot of backlash because of the all of the wild stereotypes that were written into it because it's one of the first Miles books in the last few years that's not written by a Black author. Um, oh, okay. So a lot of the stuff, a lot of the dialogue comes off as disingenuous. Um, oh, okay. And yeah, it's been getting hell. It's been catching hell since it came out last week. No, I saw that run, that little mini series, because um, it's really weird. Because they're doing like a Gwen kind of one, very similar at the moment, where mm-hmm. Gwen is going back and forth through her timeline of her world, meeting sort of like there's like a Gwen Thor and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then really weirdly, at the same time, they're doing a What If Miles Morales was Thor and a What If Miles Morales. And I just mm-hmm. thought, how weird is that they're running two mini series at the same time yeah. with Miles and Gwen? They're literally fairly similar to each other. So um, I read the first two issues of the Gwen. I think it's called Gwenverse. And um, they're so bad, honestly, so awful. <laughs> uh, the first issue I read the whole way through, the second one, I just found myself just turning pages as I was going. Yeah. I was like, this is a really, really awful book. Um, so I haven't carried on with it. I think it was like five or six issues it was meant to be. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not buying anymore. Yeah. You're like, ah, I'm tapping out. I'm done. <clears throat> no. And I was, and because of that, I was like, I'm not even going to pick up that What If Miles Morales book. At all. Yeah. Apparently uh, it's not worth picking up. I haven't read it. I uh, flipped through, uh, I want to say I flipped through like a, some preview pages, but yeah, not, I was definitely like, I like the graffiti and stuff. I like the way that they put the, the Miles like signature twist on the art, but mm. the dialogue was very cringy, like very cringy. Like why is Miles Morales holding Mjolnir quoting Tupac? Like, <laughs> what the fuck like that's very bizarre why are we doing this i think um one of the things that sort of always worried me because i've always I, tonight years ago i wanted to well obviously i've always loved comics since i was like 14 when i was a lot younger i had this uh, like i had this whole thing you know like every 14 year old i'd love to write comics or draw them or whatever um and even now like if someone said oh would you fancy coming i mean i'm not a writer but if i could like come write a comic i'd be like yeah sure but I think it would always worry me that, like, if I was to write, say, Spider-Man or even the Miles Morales Spider-Man or the Peter Parker one. So the Peter Parker one more, I'm thinking, because he's quite, obviously, a lot of his lines are quite witty as he's fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, not, I'm not exactly saying that I don't think I'm funny, but I'm, I don't think I've got those quick one-liners that Peter Parker delivers. Yeah. So I'd be like, well, how would I write Peter Parker? Because I'm not a particularly one-liner funny guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess sometimes when I make jokes, they're in the moment. And it would I just I can imagine it must be quite hard 
to write characters like that. And so yeah. you'd want to get it right. So I guess taking that whole Miles Morales position, I'm a white guy put in charge of writing a black teenage boy. Mm-hmm. I think he's, is he in Brooklyn? Uh, I think his is from Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Either no, way, he's in it? Queens. He's in Queens. No, 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 no. Peter Parker's in Queens. And I think he's in Brooklyn. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, because I read the first four issues of the other run, and I'm pretty sure that was actually a reference that they made, and he goes, no, Queens is the other guy. Oh, I remember okay. him saying Queens is the other. Um, and either way, I've never lived in Queens. I've never lived in Brooklyn. And I just think, like, you know, oh, I've forgotten the name of the uh, the author of the new Superman um, Kal-El book, the one, he's the Australian guy. Um, do you know who I mean? Mm-mm. Oh, that's going to annoy me. But either way, what I'm thinking is like, uh, hold on, I've got to look this up now. I think, like, you have to understand, like, oh, Tom what the origins of the character are, even yeah, if yeah. you can't relate to it. Like, I like, for example, like when it comes to writing fan fiction, like, uh, depending on the kind of stuff that you're writing, like sometimes people get certain characters better than they get other characters and it's just a matter of being able to kind of relate to them so like you might not be able to write miles morales but like you probably do well with like peter parker or even ben riley because you like those characters so much yeah yeah no what i was gonna say so tom taylor lives in australia i've no idea if he's been to queens or whatever um obviously he doesn't write those but he's writing son of um superman son of Calais at the moment um and one of the things that's quite good for him, he lives in Australia. So he's writing about a fictional character in a fiction, you know, Metropolis is a fictional city. Mm-hmm. So that's great. You really don't have to do any real background. I mean, yeah, I mean, and also Superman's been around since like the 40s. Yeah. They're never, they're never going to expect uh, Tom Taylor to do, you know, just under 80 years of research. Like, yeah. So he, and I'm assuming that probably DC hires some people that go, you know, that they can call or speak to just to fact check some stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, and also so, um, uh, Jonathan Kent is a fairly new character, been around, I don't know, six or seven years, and, and they've just made him an adult. Um, anyway, so, um, like, he, you know, it's, a, it's quite a fortunate position as a writer to be able to write about Superboy, basically, well, Superman, he goes by, um, because he doesn't have to worry too much about the city. The character's fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the background research he needs to do is actually fairly minimal. Um, but when you're coming into characters like Superman, long established, and also Superman's quite witty, where Superman, they're both quite straight laced. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just, I don't know, it's just my perception of how you'd write these characters. But for me, again, like you just said, for my entry into a right like if i was to pick these sort of characters peter parker's definitely the character i'd go for ben mm-hmm. riley because they're white men who are probably around 30 10 years younger than me so i probably could fit in easier to write those characters but mm-hmm. could i write about a, probably a 16 17 year old boy a uh, black boy as well like i would struggle massively i would have to do a lot of research into because i would want it to be like you just said about the what if thor character uh, uh issue i wouldn't want to go and write something that i would then get smashed for because i have not done enough research yeah. into into like i guess it's a bit like you if you said to me mark i've um 
going to write about Captain Britain. Um, I've never been to England, but I'm just going to give it a bash. Yeah, like, why Marvel, not? Mar- Marvel have called me up. Tea and, and crumpets and, oh, you know, yeah. the Queen and yeah. just like throwing in all these random British cliches. Like everybody yeah, yeah. would be like, what the hell? And fo- football as well. Yeah, like, go football. Footy. Go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like if I picked up an issue by Jasmine of Captain Britain, I'd be like, footy, t- he's sitting there with his tea and crumpets in in his mansion. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he gets a phone call from the Queen. You know, yeah. we, we all we all get calls from the Queen. Of like, course. You know, he's like, watching Sky. Like, I know how yeah. this works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'd I'd read that and I'd think there's so many cliches dropped in here. Yeah. Like, and I'd be like, have you ever been to England? No. Nope. Yeah. But okay, speaking of that though. So do you remember, uh, this was several, several episodes ago, we covered that Texas blood. And um, my first thought when I was reading that was like, this guy has got to be from Texas, like, because he captures the essence of small town Texas really well. Mm -hmm. And it turns out he wasn't, but he put in so much research before he wrote that series. And it really kind of showed because it as a Texan reading it, it definitely felt like I have been on this drive. Like I have been to this town. I have met this guy. Like these all feel like people that I have run into in my life. Um, and for someone that is not from, from a place that they're writing about, like he did such a good job of capturing kind of like the essence of it. So it can be done. Uh, I, I imagine it is not easy and it is very cumbersome to do the proper kind of research to do it, but it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. I Writing think- people though, still might be a bit different, but like being able to capture the essence of something by doing the right kind of research is possible. I was thinking more around the whole, um, established, um, yeah. Characters. characters. <clears throat> yeah. So like, I, that's why I probably would rather approach writing my own like so yeah um anyway let's we'll stop there and let's move on to our main event yes the meat and potatoes dark and difficult times lie ahead soon we must all face the choice between what is right and what is easy but remember this you have friends here you're not alone Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, 2005. Directed by Mike Newell. um, Screenplay by Steve Clubs, obviously based on Harry Potter um, by J.K. Rowling. And it stars all of the same people as before. We get a few new faces. Some of those new faces include, we finally, finally get Voldemort. I'm sorry, excuse me. He who must not be named in physical form like actual functioning body finally um we have seen him in several different variations of being and and this is the film where we finally get Voldemort walking on his own two feet uh Brendan Gleeson comes on as Mad-Eye Moody and uh of course Gary Oldman is black back as Sirius Black uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah well, obviously Goldman, uh, Gary Oldman was obviously back very briefly but yeah, yeah. so yeah. like um, not actually in Gary Oldman form more like uh, no. logs in a fire that look like Gary Oldman <laughs> uh, so budget was 150 million 
We're uh, getting up there. Every film seems to be a bit more than the one before it. So previous one was 130 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, worldwide box office. So the previous movie made 797 million uh, US dollars. Uh, all of this is in US dollars. And the worldwide box office for this movie made just under 900 million US dollars. So that's... Um, Jump change. Pretty- yeah, I mean, if you think if you think the budget they threw in was an extra twenty mil, and they made an extra hundred mil this time, so exactly, they're, pro- yeah. they're probably yeah. pretty pleased with that. I would imagine that's uh, a pretty good return, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, hundred hundred and fifty mil makes nine hundred mil. You can see why they make movies. <laughs> so, I mean, I know they go on about the arts and all the rest of it. But it's money making, isn't it? It's all so, about the Benjamins. It's, a, it's you know, it's a product. Mm-hmm. And the, if the product doesn't make money, you know, so for instance, if they spent 150 mil and they only made 180, they probably wouldn't bother doing another one because they'd be like, no, it's not worth yeah. it. <laughs> uh, you know, or if they made literally 150 mil back, that, that probably would have been the last Harry Potter movie that got made. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it's a product that actually does do well on its returns and that is just from the film that is not from all of the merchandising that comes along with it uh so summary of the movie again it's a year in the life of harry potter school term you know kind of september to june-ish um no no uh horrible aunties and uncles the dursleys are are to not seen this time around yeah uh we start with um was it the Quidditch World Cup, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, Actually, we then, start with the Riddle Estate. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Then we move into the Quidditch World Cup. And then, yeah. and then, and then we end up at school. Yeah. And well, obviously the main, the sort of the crux of this uh, film is around the Tri... Tri- oh, Tri-Wizard Tournament. Yeah, that's it. I'd gone blank then. And we have four contestants throughout the movie. They have to, you know, like a bunch of people chuck their names in a... Goblet of Fire, it spits out names here and there, and obviously Harry Potter's name is one of the names that gets thrown out, and then throughout the movie we get to see all the different contests that that Mm -hmm. swing around towards the end, and have a nice little tie-up, and sort of the movie ends with everybody going off their separate ways, we'll obviously break down. Not everybody, but... uh... (laughs) No, not not everybody, but yeah, so... uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so... I think let's jump into um now first we got the fun facts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. That's what I meant. I was gonna say jump into the fun facts. So these these fun facts all kind of revolve around money and contracts and contractual obligations. Uh Mike Newell, this is his first time in the director's chair for the Harry Potter franchise. And do you want to guess how much he was paid to direct this fourth film? If you had to guess. I don't know, two hundred thousand. Uh, no, it's a little bit more than that. A million. Yes, that's it. Though. Okay, one million. When Chris Columbus made twelve for the first film. Wow. So, Mike, hopefully, as this franchise goes on, you got yourself a better agent because, buddy, you left a whole lot of money on the table when you only made a million dollars to direct this film. Um, that's crazy. Also, they got 12, Chris Gomez got 12 million for the first. I'm movie. sorry, 10 million. 10, 10 million. Okay. So, chump change, right? Like 10, 10 million, 12 million. Nah. But still, yes, Chris Columbus made $10 million to direct the first film. Meanwhile, Mike Newell and the fourth film gets 
a million. Um, also contractually, the Dursleys, as you mentioned, are not, this is the first film in the franchise so far where we don't have the Dursleys at the beginning of the movie. Mm. Um, that was because all three of the Dursley actors uh, requested more money and Warner Brothers said, nope. And because Warner Brothers said, no, we have no Dursleys, which is kind of a bummer because the opening sequence in the book for this fourth one is one of the funniest, I think. Um, It's one of the ones that I remember the most. Uh, And it was when the Weasleys actually come and visit (laughs) the Dursleys. Oh, really? To pick up Harry to take him with them as they go to the Quidditch World Cup. Um, Yeah, it was uh, interesting. Molly Molly Weasley meeting Petunia Dursley. Uh, So it's a bummer that we didn't get that sequence. Uh, but it was money, money. Warner Brothers told the Dursleys, nah, bruh, we're not going to give you the money that you're asking for. So therefore, that's why we have no Dursleys. And when we open with Harry Potter, he is already at the Weasley house. Uh, um, yeah. Also, another contractual thingy. So Percy, which Mark and I were having a conversation about the Weasley family, Percy and Charlie, before we started recording. But Percy... Uh, who previously was head boy um, in the last film. Now, Percy, the actor who plays Percy, is at this point contractually obligated for four Harry Potter films. He did have a significant role in the books, in this fourth book. Um, But because the fourth book was twice as thick as the third book, Warner Brothers cut a lot out to make this movie nice and tight. And they ended up cutting out all of Percy's. They, well, they shortened a lot of Percy's scenes. And so the actor himself was like, if I'm only contractually obligated for four films and this one, the role is really small. Like, I'm just going to sit this one out and like, I'll see y'all in number five. And so that's yeah. what he did. So that's why we don't get Percy. Um, and Percy, Percy and Charlie, I think, are uh, kind of important, especially when it comes to the dragon sequence. Um, and and all of that the all, the whole thing with the dragons because I think Charlie is the one that works with the dragons in the first place. So, ah, I, I love I love the dragons in this movie. Actually, the little the ones. Oh my gosh, the little ones! I I almost picked them as like my favorite magical item. The tiny little oh. dragons, they're so cute. Um. Okay. So like, obviously, we're four movies in and. For sure, overall thoughts on the fourth film. Um, this one is also the first film where we get that PG-13 rating. So clearly it is an indicator that we have stepped up the level of seriousness from the first three. Mm-hmm. Um, for the longest time, I did not like the fourth film. Um, it is not as bad this time around watching it. It's not a bad film. Um, Mm. but for some reason, I just didn't enjoy watching it as much as I did. Um, well, certainly not as much as three, three is my favorite, but Mm. (sighs) like, I I just feel like the fourth film is them in their awkward teenage phase. So like everybody has bad hair. Everybody is really angsty. All of the side things and side dialogue. It's like, 
teenagers fighting and it's like i don't care about this like <laughs> i really don't care that you guys are like hitting your puberty stride or whatever you want to call it but like so i found a lot of the characters to be unnecessarily annoying in this fourth film um and unnecessarily annoying in the sense that your annoyance and your behavior is not actually doing anything to drive the plot forward so i feel like with this fourth film a lot of the care the kid characters uh are very annoying so for me it was the adults that kind of carry this film um but like they do it really well and so i think uh i definitely enjoyed like the teacher and the villains in this one more so than I did any of the kids. I am. Um, I like, I liked this movie. Uh, I, I definitely think the first two were okay in my mind. Like they were more very much child children movies, but then the actors were children. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, you could definitely, I would say the first two are definitely family friendly, but the third and definitely this film were, mm-hmm. were leaning more into T, uh, you know, 17, 18, I would say 16, 17 upwards mm-hmm. uh, in my mind, um, especially with uh, you know, the death that happens at the movie. Mm-hmm. I keep going to call, I keep, keep going to call him Edward Cullen. Uh, like, so, like, uh, like the movie, you know, but also the whole scene at the end with, um, uh, you know, he who should not be named mm-hmm. coming about. And it's very dark, witchcrafty. So Harry Potter, although it's magic, it's always felt like to me kind of family-friendly magic. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and then we've got this quite dark scene where they're like, look, blood from the enemy forcibly removed. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever voluntarily given. Uh, you know, this it was very witchcraft and quite a dark thing that you wouldn't probably want children to watch um and then they had this tiny little baby uh voldemort through in a pot you know pot and then <laughs> cut, so yeah. and then ralph finds eventually you know and it's all very dark and it's definitely not child friendly you know that last yeah. 20 minutes is very not child friendly but anyway um i actually really liked this movie i thought it was i thought i probably would say I enjoyed it more than the last one, to be honest with you, because the last one didn't really have a villain, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, this one I, I did enjoy, and actually we do finally, after, you know, four films, we finally get to see Voldemort, and yeah. we've sort of been teased with Voldemort. And I think it was good how J.K. Rowling teased Voldemort, like mm-hmm. in, you know, in a um, in the first film, it was in the back of someone's head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had Tom Flash, you know, a sort of a memory of Tom Riddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and now finally we actually get Voldemort in the flesh. Mm-hmm. I love I love the whole idea of this Triwizard Cup, um, the Quidditch World Cup as well. You know, I think it was great to get more into that that sort of magical world. And uh it made me curious about what else is out there around the world, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we don't know about. But no, I enjoyed it. And I I think um I did not enjoy any of Ron at all. I thought Ron was probably <laughs> he the was worst the one. most insufferable. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. He he was written in such an unbearable way. Like yeah. it, it just makes me really, as time goes on, resent how him and Amani get together. Um, in honesty, I I still to this day do not get how Harry and Hermione didn't get together. I just don't get it. Like, yeah. I know it was something that J.K. Rowling has kind of admitted. 
I think I read somewhere that she admitted that probably they should have got together, Harry and Amani, but um, it was kind of like a, I think an idyllic dream of hers or something that somebody like Ron would get Hermione. I just don't see it. Like, just don't yeah. get it at all. He's so horrible. He's too to Hermione. stupid to be with Hermione. Like, like just too stupid. Just, the way she, the way Hermione is with Harry, it just seems to me that she likes Harry. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, I think I feel like they play that up a lot, um, which to their detriment doesn't play out so well by the time we get to six and seven one and two yeah i think i think even yeah i, I remember from the later books uh, film sorry um it comes across she's so connected to harry mm-hmm. i just i just they should have changed that ending for the books like although there would have been probably outcry but uh, <laughs> uh but i don't know i i did really enjoy the film i think it was i think it was great i loved um even the sort of mystery elements about the um I've forgotten what it was called, the something juice. Oh, the polyjuice. The polyjuice, you know, I love that. I love that little throwaway line, you know, the polyjuice, whatever. And that, that, yeah, so anyway, just yeah, I think overall, you know, I I I do like this film. I think two is probably my worst, actually. Like, but yeah, there's so far I would say this has got to be my favorite of this rewatch that we're doing. Oh wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow, I know, not me. <laughs> I know, I know. The last one was your favorite, but yeah, yeah. like, yeah, I think this one I liked. I I love the whole tri wizard cup thing. I think that was a pretty cool, cool idea that she had to put that in. So yeah, yeah, that part was fun. Um, I mean, not fun for the people that died, but like, well, you know, clearly, but yeah, uh, it, it, the the whole like battle royale type thing is a concept that can be redone in a million and a half different ways, and it never feels old mm. so did you have a, a favorite character in this movie oh absolutely uh mad eye moody was my favorite well fake mad eye moody was my favorite uh so it's it, i don't know is it fair to say that my favorite character was actually barty jr uh <laughs> disguised as mad eye moody versus actually saying my favorite character was mad eye um i really just loved the chaos that Moody brought to Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, every year we have a different Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. And so this year, the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher is Mad-Eye Moody. And he looks every bit as ridiculous as his name is. He's got like this mechanical eye that moves in all different directions. He's got a metal leg. He very much looks like that dude that never says no to a fight in a back alley and he has the scars and body part (laughs) missing body parts to prove it um and i just loved that he didn't give a shit and again it's because of you know a death eater was playing that character but him turning malfoy into the ferret him manipulating everybody into giving Harry Potter the information that he needed to succeed during the tournament. Um, Just the way that he had his nose in everybody's business. um, I really loved that. I loved, he was so far. I mean, I loved Lupin. Uh, Lupin was probably like my all-time favorite defense against dark arts teacher, but uh, Mad Eye would definitely be a close second just because He's so different than most of the other 
teacher characters that we meet um, and especially different than the people that we meet coming up in the fifth film. Um, so yeah, I just, I loved it. I, he was so all over the place, just chaotic, didn't give a shit. Uh, and I loved that about him. I, I, I've not got as much to say about my favorite character. I like Neville Longbottom. Neville, I Neville, thought, Neville, yes. Uh, yeah, because I, what I love again about Harry Potter is like, obviously you've got Harry and Ron and Armani and, mm-hmm. you know, you've got Dumbledore and, you know, th- those characters are really, really vital to the series. You mm-hmm. know, Hagrid is vital. But actually you've got a lot of tiny characters that... Do big things. They do big things. And could you say they're vital or not? It's probably an argument like there. But actually Neville was so vital in this movie, even yeah. though his screen presence is like 10% of the movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even 10%, probably far less than 10%. Like, and, um, but he actually like... Harry's really dismissive of him in the library and yep. like sna- snaps at him. And then mm-hmm. he could have taken that so badly. Like some people would take that, like, do you know, I'll, you know, yeah, you he could have been like Ron yeah. and been like, piss off. Yeah, yeah, piss off them. Cause like Harry was being a bit, he was stressed. Harry was stressed. He was in the yeah. middle of like worrying about the cha- the next challenge that he had to face as part of the Triwizard Cup. And he sort of snaps at Neville and he's like, look, Neville, unless you've got a, you know, herbal yeah. remedy for uh, being able to breathe underwater like, for one hour, then look, you know, bugger off kind of thing. And Neville's like, could have, he could have just done, yeah, like you say, bugger off then, I'm off, like whatever. But Neville turned around and goes, actually, yeah, I do know of x one z whatever and then what i liked was like they could sort of cut to the next day and neville's walking along going actually i haven't really he sort of caveats it a little bit going look just just so you know i haven't really looked into whether it works as well in salt water as a uh yeah. you know fresh water yeah yeah fresh water. and uh, like harry's like thanks neville but then what i loved was also like they're all going in and how neville is really supportive, standing on the side. Him and the other characters, I've forgotten the, the, the other minor Dean characters. and Fergus. Yeah, so I've forgotten their names. Like, and um, and I just thought how it's great that you've got this collection of sort of ancillary characters who, mm-hmm. every now and again, will kind of rise up and go back down again. And I know Neville sort of. I can remember Neville rises up in the final f- film. Oh against boy, does like, he ever! Yeah, and like I, I have to say, like I, I like how Neville is real background. But every now and again, he comes forward. And mm-hmm. when he came forward in this film, it was really good. Like, and I just think he's sort of naturally clumsy, but actually people don't give him enough credit for, right. for the importance that he does bring to this world. Right. And I just, I just thought when he stepped up in this film, it was actually quite an important part that he played. So, um, yeah, for, for me, that's why he's sort of probably my favourite character of this film, just for just been so good at background yeah and actually for people not realizing how important he is so yeah. one of um, my favorite scenes in this in this one is when neville comes back from the dance in the morning not not that same night but like in the morning and he's got his shoes tied around his neck and he's like i just got back me i, I just got back to the room like what i'm like yeah yeah, yeah neville you tell him yeah yeah <laughs> but it's always it's like Quiet. Oh, so they always say you always have to watch the quiet ones. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the quiet ones. Well, I was really quiet when I was a kid. Like they do it. Like a few. I remember older people would always say to me, "You always have to watch the quiet ones." And like, Thanks. <laughs> like, like, I'm not. I'm not quiet now. Like, um, 
<laughs> I was anyway. the quiet one, and you definitely did have to watch me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so favorite magical item. Ooh. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna quit it. I'll, I'll jump ahead only because it's just connected with Neville, the gillyweed. Yeah, like yeah. so that whole scene I just said with Harry, I love the gillyweed, mm-hmm. and like I just thought to myself. I wish I could find some gillyweed. Like, <laughs> how cool! Right, you want to go swimming underwater for an hour? Well, I don't like going underwater. It's not a preference of mine. But how cool would it be to have gillyweed if you had to swim, like you know, a couple of meters below the water or whatever? You know, even if I don't know what I don't know how chlorine would affect things if you were in a swimming pool. <laughs> like, but like, you got to talk to Neville about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I love that whole thing where Harry flips up in the air, you know, shoots up in the air, doesn't flip, and goes back mm-hmm. down again. Neville missed that though because he turned away. Yeah, because like, he thought he killed Harry Potter. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh my god, he's like, oh, I killed Harry Potter. I, uh, but I love the gillyweed. I thought, what a great idea. And again, J.K. Rowling's mind to mm-hmm. the minutiae of this world. Like, you know, the Triwizard Cup, the, you know, obviously she created the base, she put in the basic stuff, like like, like the wands and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And she brought in some uh, obvious things like werewolves in the previous film and that kind of stuff. But like the gillyweed, what a great idea. Like, you know, just she obviously created the tasks. And I'd love that, um, I can't remember his name now, the, um, the guy that Hermione dated. Um, oh, Victor Crumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like half shark. Like yeah. I thought, I don't know what he had to become half shark. Yeah. But I think the gillyweed's probably better than the half shark thing. Uh, so I I definitely would say gillyweed was my favorite magical item of this movie. Yeah. Like, well, oh. speaking of the gillyweed, though, they actually did film underwater for a lot of that entire sequence that was not just CGI. Like they built an underwater tank, they had the actors underwater. They said that Harry Log the most. Or Daniel logged oh, yeah. the most underwater time at 42 minutes underwater. Um, oh. They had divers and stuff to keep with the air tanks so that they could stay underwater and submerged longer. Um, so I imagine that that whole scene at the lake was very tiresome to uh, to act out, especially since they had to be in an underwater tank for so long. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't be that keen on that. Yeah. So, <laughs> what was your favorite item? Oh my god. Okay, so this is probably I, it might actually be my second favorite like magical item in, in the entire franchise, but the tents when they are at the Quidditch World Cup and they are camped out and everybody has like these tiny little tents. And when you walk inside the tent, it is massive on the inside. And it is so cool to me because I remember the very first time I watched this fourth film like that was the the way that Harry reacted where he literally is standing there in awe and he's just like I love magic like that is exactly how I felt when I first saw that entire sequence play out I was like there is no freaking way that all of them are gonna fit in this tiny tent like what the hell and then as soon as he goes inside the tent there's like rooms it's not just a tent it is like a mansion almost their, their tent is almost bigger than the entire weasley house um and so i just i love the play like on spatial awareness and and that kind of stuff that they do in in this world like i think it's just kind of so imaginative where it's like yeah they're camping out for a sporting event which people do that all the time like people do that for wimbledon like they camp out mm-hmm. to get wimbledon tickets and it's like 
it's gotta be miserable, like camping out in this tent for three days to get tickets to this sporting event, you know, but like you walk inside that tent and you're like, hang on, this, this could actually be fun. So I, I love the tents. I love the tents. That's, that's my favorite magical item in this film. Very much like the TARDIS. So I see. I've never watched Doctor Who, so I don't know anything about that phone booth. Yeah, but you know that if you walk in the phone booth, it's uh, massive in there. Oh, no, I did not know that. Oh, you didn't know that? Nope, I did not know that. I thought that you walked into the phone booth and it was a time machine, but maybe that's me confusing Bill and Ted. <laughs> no, 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 it is a time machine, like space, well, space and time and can end up on alien planets or in the past or whatever, future or whatever. But it's a huge, it's not like a mansion huge, but mm-hmm. I don't think they know how big the TARDIS is because oh, they, okay. they only show you the main sort of control room, which is uh-huh. probably like maybe the size of my house or something. Um, so you walk in this phone box and you sort of see the main control room and it's like 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 going in a house but it's all one room uh-huh. with like a big control panel in the middle and uh that kind of thing and then um there are a couple of doors but they never show you what's down any of these doors like mm-hmm. you know I, I i think maybe in one of the series they made a reference to i think it might be an amy pond or something having a bedroom down one of the corridors or something something like that okay uh so it's potentially spaceship big um but yeah they only ever show you the main control room so let's be honest it's tv versus movie so tv budget's a lot more limited than yeah yeah um (laughs) oh yeah no i I love stuff like that where you like oh that's a small tent walk in the door whoop yeah like Mm -hmm. huge huge mansion sized um stuff going on here all right okay so the so the movie itself like (coughs) what's your thoughts really on sort of the structure of the movie and did you have any favorite scenes or anything like that um the structure i think this one really kind of gets down to business right away and maybe it's because we don't start off at the dursleys like we have before and they kind of just jump straight into the action it feels like this movie is packed from the very opening scene to the very end like with content it doesn't feel like they wasted much time in this film um i I, I thought that uh, as far as the writing, I think it felt more juvenile, mm. um, not necessarily like uh, young, like the first two films felt young because all of the actors were still very young. But this one, again, to me, just this film feels like the film where everybody is going through that awkward puberty stage. And that aspect of it made all of the writing to me feel forced, not all of it. Um, but, but at some points the writing felt a bit forced, like the fight between, you know, Harry and Ron and how they're at odds for a lot of the film. Um, just kind of like the, the one-liners, like, uh, a lot of it just doesn't feel natural. So to me, sitting through the dialogue in this film, it, where the kids are concerned, it yeah. it feels like a chore, which is why I say that uh, to me, this film, it feels like the adults carry it, um, which is the first film in the franchise that feels that way. Like the kids always felt 
like they were in charge uh, up until this one. And in this one, it just felt like they had kind of lost the plot a bit. And so the adults had to be the ones to rein everybody in. Um, so I really felt like we got to know the the teachers and even like some of the ministry a bit better. Like there's a lot more characters from the ministry in this one than we've had in films before. So kind of expanding, which obviously it's going to play a really big part, the ministry in the fifth film. But um, I, I like the structure. I like the way that the, the film elements flow. But as far as the writing, I think the writing is probably my biggest hang up with with this one. It just doesn't feel as natural as the other films have felt so far. I think I think with the scripts, like you say, I think things that stood out to me was just some of how Ron speaks like and I guess it's obviously from a script and. I, I guess I've never met anyone in real life who spoke the way Ron did to Hermione and like, you know, oh, Hermione, you're a girl. Yes. Like, you know, <laughs> kind of like never met anyone. I guess I've never met anyone that clumsy in real life and also how rude he is. Now, I'm, there probably are people that clumsy and rude out there in real life. And um, I don't know just how he came across a lot of the time, mm-hmm. like a bit sport brash. Uh, which is kind of weird considering his background is not, they don't have, he doesn't, him and the Wheezies don't have a very spoiled background. So mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know, I didn't get on board of it. And also Hermione, some of her lines as well, like, you know, off to bed, both of you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm still a bit confused by that. Like, cause I've never met any girls of her age that would speak like that. And, yeah. Um, so, you know, even when I was age, I don't remember anyone speaking like that. Uh, I don't know. Some of their lines are very clumsily written. And I guess mm-hmm. it kind of is a little bit like when we said about earlier, like, you know, writing, if I wrote Miles Morales as a 40-year-old, writing that of a 15-year-old black boy from Brooklyn. Yeah. I've never been to Brooklyn. I've never I've never been black. I'm never, yeah. I, have been, I, have, I, I have been 15. Yeah. Um, but, like... <laughs> uh at 15 i was very quiet and shy so yeah. my experience with mars isn't isn't particularly sh- i don't think he's shy but like he obviously isn't like the the sort of the coolest kid around because obviously you know from why my experience of mars in spider-verse and stuff like that he's i guess just figuring life out mm-hmm. so my reflection there with ron you know very much feels like an adult's written that of a teen teenage characters right. and not potentially done the research on how teenagers speak to each other. Right. Like, that's kind of probably how I would say. And I think it comes to you with the adults. Like the adults are definitely stronger in this movie. Um, and obviously you've got some very senior, you know, like Rick, Rick um, sorry, Alan Rickman, you know, and there's very senior actors who very much cover, uh, cut, sorry, carry this movie. Mm-hmm. Um Actually, that's probably a nice little jump into my favourite scene. Alan Rickman, who doesn't actually say a word in this scene. Oh, the study hall scene. The study hall scene is so good. Like, it's just, it's brilliant, this scene. Like, how the the, um, 
sort of Harry and Ron and Hermione, they're chatting away. Hermione leaves at one point. And then I just love how he finally has enough and pulls up his sleeve and grabs mm-hmm. them around the back of their head and shoves them down. But literally keeps walking past them. Um, I think he may have seen the odd line, but the study hall scene is so good. And I just saw the experience of someone like Alan Rickman in terms of acting mm-hmm. versus someone like Daniel Radcliffe, who's clearly only been acting at that point for about five or six years. Mm-hmm. Now, again, this is obviously experience, but I, you know, I would say the structure of the film again is, is done well because it's formula driven, you know, it's a year long through uh, their, their study. Um, I love the try wizard cup. I think mm-hmm. it's a great thing. It's a great addition to the world building. Um, I just think the strip, the strip, uh, the script isn't as strong when it comes to maybe the children. Yeah, um, definitely. And yeah, I could see, and but the adults, but I do love the whole thing and how the it pays off at the end. Yeah, you know the big sort of the grand finale, and you know we get Voldemort's grand presence in, and I love how we spent four movies getting to that. You know we've been teasing it along the way. Um, and now Voldemort's finally here. But I love that we only have a small battle with Voldemort at the end because obviously we've got, we've got to save save Voldemort for later movies. And um, I just I think I think I would say I really did enjoy the movie, but more for the Tri Wizard World Cup and and sort of its world building as opposed mm-hmm. to yeah, like the script. Probably the children need a little bit more work. So well, I just think it's know. writing though. I don't think it's the kids acting that was bad, but I think that the the children were poorly written in this yeah. film. Um, yeah. as far as my favorite scene I would definitely pick uh, two and they both involve Dumbledore the scene right after Harry's name gets spit out of the cup and all of the uh, champions get called to Dumbledore's office and it almost feels like Dumbledore has forgotten himself because he strolls into his office actually more like storms into his office and grabs Harry by the collar and is like how did you do this? How did you put your name in the cup? What were you thinking? Like, he is so pissed that he forgets that he is talking to a child. And he is just so angry that that cup spit out Harry Potter's name. Um, and so to watch Dumbledore lose his cool, like that was the first time we see him behave that way. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, like it also shows you how passionate Dumbledore is about making sure that Harry gets what Harry needs to do you know, to live up to the title that everybody expects of him. So I really love that sequence because it just felt like frustration and anger took over and Dumbledore just completely forgot about his stance as like headmaster and was just like about to slap the shit out of Harry Potter. Uh, So I love that sequence. And then there's a, a sequence later on when after Harry looks through Dumbledore's memory and Dumbledore says, dark and difficult times lie ahead. And soon we must all make the decision between what is easy or what's right and what is easy. And that is probably my favorite line in the entire franchise. Like it's shit's about to get real, bro. And pretty soon you're gonna have to make the choice between what's right and what's easy. Like, I just, I love that line so much. And I think this movie is the perfect point for it because this movie, again, it was the first one to get the PG 13 rating. So it, the you know the rating association took everything a bit more serious in this film but like it only gets worse from here and so for that line to pop up at this point it was just like is it's perfect so um but that goes back to the way that i feel again like the adults really nailed it in this film whereas the kids were the ones that needed like a lot of the help 
Um, so it was nice for the kids to kind of get that little reality check in, in this film. And as the adults are the ones that are like, look, I mean, shit's getting serious. Like, I need you to take this seriously. Like the adults can't be the only ones here that are taking this seriously. Um, so I really, really kind of appreciated the, the fact that Dumbledore actually showed his frustration, um, in, in this one. I think I think to be honest, I love, I love the character of Dumbledore. Yeah. Like how he's like, how he's kind of a big rooter for Harry, mm-hmm. but like how he was like did not expect Harry's name to come out of that cup. Yes. So, uh, so you could see when the name gets that comes out of the cup, how shocked yes. and ang- and angry that they all are, all the teachers. Yeah. Like, and even the students like that, you know, his, his name should not have come out of that cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously it's a Harry Potter film. Of course it was coming out of that cup. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, not that any of them know they're in a franchise. Like, uh, but yeah. Um, anyway, so what does it say is how, how would you rate this movie out of 10? <sighs> out of 10. I'm an, I'd give this one a six and a half. Okay. I, I, I think I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Okay. All right. That's the highest rating so far that you've given. Yeah. Yeah. I think I went up to seven so far, but yeah. So, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the film and just, yeah. So I'm, I, I'm sort of generally happy with it. So, yeah. I mean, it's uh, a necessary, obviously, but uh, yeah. 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 Okay. So we'll be continuing our March towards our 100th episode. And obviously next episode we'll be continuing harry potter so yep. come back uh you can follow us on social media with geeks and niche everywhere instagram facebook and twitter and you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast google podbean apple spotify we are everywhere so please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends well have a good week i'm off to play a game of quidditch and uh i have actually look at you a, you got a golden got, snitch i've got a golden snitch all ready to go oh and, man uh, gonna let this bad boy go in the park and, uh, <laughs> oh yeah i forgot to show you this actually got my uh i know podcast this is not harry potter podcast. straws metal <laughs> straws yeah, they are metal. yeah um but anyway thanks for listening or watching if you're on youtube yep say say hello in the comments do the rating thing and uh we'll see you next week have good a good journey week and a good journey yeah.